Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck and I am your host and you are a listener and that's what you do. You listen. Uh, not much for uh, to report on the good old Curious Podcast today. Don't have much to say. Someone got in my head about my uh, my 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 introductions, my rants at the beginning of these things. So you know what? Let's try one without it. On today's episode, Will Sasso heard of him? Man, I really look up to this guy. We have a long history, as you'll find out, but he's a brilliant comedic performer from shows like Mad TV and so many others. Um, I I just felt so lucky that he agreed to be on the show. He's hilarious. I want to preface this with apologizing to Brian Callen and his wife. You guys will find out more about why I'm saying that uh, in just a few seconds. So enjoy Will Sasso. What do you yeah, do? Do you shoot it. the whole thing? We just little bits, like for publicity oh, and stuff. Do you I mind? I don't mind at all. Oh, sick. Just curious if if you do you, if there's. A, I was actually curious if there's like a video element. No, I'm not doing the video yet yeah. for the podcasting, and this is kind of like a beta testing phase to see to yeah. get some materials. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, to share around. Yeah, but I feel like people. I interviewed Neil Brennan the other day, and I just brought, like, I have this little mobile recording kit, because yeah. I realized no one wants to go anywhere ever. Right, sure. And so, I, like, brought the equipment, he's like, oh, you're not, you didn't bring camera? And I said, Hey, no. fuck you, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God. I brought this, I brought this. Yeah, am I, I enough? A, yeah. And he's like, oh, you're old school podcaster, I say, I said, okay. Yeah, maybe, all right. Maybe I'm just honoring the medium. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm just <laughs> That's all you guys talked about? Just fucking argued about what a podcast is? <laughs> you wouldn't stop yelling at me. Jesus. Man, well, thank you for answering my DM. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> thank you for reading your DMs. <laughs> yeah, that's my New Year's resolution is returning every DM. Now, of course, <laughs> when you wrote, I was like, at Shua Peck is hitting me up. I'm going to say, hey, buddy, what's up? But I want everybody to know that I return all DMs, usually with just a happy face. But, you know, I'm going to see how long that uh, New Year's resolution lasts. I'm joking, of course. What do your DMs look like? Uh, Terrifying? No, 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 not at all. Nice? Not at all. Yeah, nice. Pretty nice. Someone Pretty asked nice. me for money in mine this morning. Oh, that's cool. And I like got to respect the boss. <laughs> They're just like, hey, yeah. it's not great right now. Yeah. I could use 50 to 100 bucks, like, yeah. and I have the cash app. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it was just 50 to 100? I go, that's what the ballpark, I'm sure they'd accept more, but yeah, uh, but God bless them. Yeah, sure. No, fuck that. <laughs> fuck um, that. Yeah, that's amazing. I get a lot of, I actually get a lot of, uh, hey, were you at, uh, Hey man, were you at the uh, gas and sip in in what in like Richmond, West Virginia, like this morning around four? I'm like, nope, that's another like big bald fat guy with, with a beard. It's cool. Or they just send me like pictures. I get a lot of those. What? Well, this is a. I think this is a. I think the look that I have is a. I think it's a well worn Western world look. Mm. A large man, a large bald man with a beard. Fair. I don't need pictures of every large bald man with a beard, <laughs> saying, "Oh, my buddy Dwight, he looks just like you." I'm like, "Nope, 
No. But he's a large white man with a beard. Have you ever gotten, I've gotten those pictures too before where they're like, my cousin, you know, Jose looks just like you, yeah. Josh. And yeah. I'm like, thank you for thinking that I have some like Spanish roots. Right. Yeah. But like more so, I'm always, it's never, the person's never great looking. Oh yeah, it's, sure. It's just. 100% of the time. <laughs> it's 100% of the time. It's an uglier version of it's us. It's an uglier version. Well, I'll say this though. Or, or I'll get a guy who's, even if a guy's like, to my eye, 10 pounds thinner, I'm like, that is wonderful. Thank you very much for thinking. He could be, you know, as ugly as sin to me. And I'll be like, wow, that is a wonderful compliment. You think that I look like, that you think that I'm, oh, you think I'm only 285 pounds? That's amazing. I weigh 700 pounds. <laughs> no, please. Now. Yeah, all right. 645. Come on. I, now that's interesting, right? Because you and I both have like had our, our weight journey, right? Yeah. Well, you, you got it over with at the right time. You got it over like, you got it over with. You're like, okay, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose a foot around 30. <laughs> so you're good. I don't want to check my blood sugar regularly. No, no, you're not where I am now where it's like, oh, fuck. Oh, I remember when I was young and I was like, oh, look at John Goodman go up and down. I'm going to make sure that I'm the small John Goodman. Oh, no, I'm a huge John. Go oh, I'm bigger than John Goodman. Oh, he lost weight to play Babe Ruth. Oh, I'm so fucked. I'm 43 and I've got a couple years left. Oh, stop it. I do, do you prize thinness above all else? Like you were just saying how like if someone's even just 10 pounds lighter and ugly as fuck, you're like, thank you. Yeah. Because I do. I prize like I yeah. find to be thin is the greatest victory yeah. of it all. Like that's what I'm always aspiring. It's yeah. It's just a it's slightly less important to me than eating tasty food is. Mm. So that's the problem. God, I get that. That's been the whole, that's been my lifelong thing. I really got to work out harder and lose more weight and watch what I eat. And, oh, they, you can, you deep fry this sushi roll. That's, well, I got to try it. What are these? French fries? Haven't heard of those. Let me try, yeah. let me see what the French fries taste like at this establishment as opposed to the establishment I ate at two and a half hours ago. So that's a problem. And if I enter them into my face box, they yeah. also make yeah. my feelings go away. Yeah. They make Quick. everything go away. Oh, and then that, oh, that's serotonin. That's what that, oh, okay, good. Mm. Chocolate, fried stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. I do love, I love vegetables and I, and, and I'll put them on pizza and then that's a <laughs> Right. There's no sausage on the, my vegetarian friends. Dude, we can get, fuck it. I don't need, you know pancetta on this pizza let's do it let's just what do you want kale i don't give a fuck it's all getting it's all covered in oil yeah it's all in this mm -hmm. cheese and bread delivery system i'm sure they're doing it <laughs> doing the fuck out of it they're keeping the restaurant open oh my god yeah do you but <laughs> but like do you how do i say it it's so hard right because like i'm 32 now and i lost most of the weight by the time i was like 19 20 that's amazing and so i've been in things like this where I'll meet someone who doesn't know the old Josh. They just sure. know me as this where I've been like reasonably been in okay shape, but I'll always reference it or talk about like, well, you know, like I'm a fat guy or what, like even 12 years later, I haven't shaken that. And Absolutely. I wasn't, it, yeah. cause what is it so deeply embedded during our adolescence? What is that? Um, do you know who Brian Callen is? Yeah. Okay. So Brian Callen is the, one of the funniest people on the planet. So He's a good funny. friend of mine. And he calls what I have, he calls it FTS, fat teenager syndrome. Mm. And he says it doesn't go away. So he's like, you know, at times where I'm like, 
you know, yeah, okay, well, I guess I'll call her. We'll see what's up. He's like, that's your FTS acting up. You're fine. So, right. you know, or he'll tell me, oh, my wife, oh, my wife is always, you know, she's always saying how, you know, you're not even, you're not, you're just a big guy. And I'm like, yeah, I, when you die, I will fuck your wife. That's cool. <laughs> but, um, or I'll just like ask her at parties. And this is 100% true. I'll be like, hey, <laughs> Hey, Amanda, Brian died painfully in a horrible car crash. Like, which one of his friends would you fuck first? And she's like, you. It's yes. not even close. So that's where uh, I get my, most of my uh, my confidence from. Did you? Is the make-believe fucking my friends' wives. And by my friends, I just mean Brian. <laughs> you hear that, Brian? I'll <laughs> tell him right. I'll, I'm going to call him after this, by the way. Enjoy that gonna, shout yeah, out. Yeah, we don't need to make a bid out of it right now on the phone, but I will call him after this and say, hey, man, or just shoot him a text or one of those voice messages. <laughs> if you ever die, like, I'll miss you, love you, I'll fuck your wife. You know, you want to hang out later? I have friends whose wives, I always tend to have a fleeting thought of, like, she's in love with me. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's held back by this union that she entered yeah. into but yeah this piece of paper yeah but yeah. if she if there were no rules yeah if there were be no all rules over it. yeah then you're like yeah we should go on vacation oops my wife can't make it she's got work to do <laughs> can you believe that and dan yeah. fell asleep early maybe you and yeah. i should have drinks in the veranda yeah hey do yeah. you like casamigos crazy <laughs> <laughs> hey what's that oh i'm sorry i didn't mean my for my hand to go there Whoops. i'll just put it here on you the inside of your thigh instead of around your ribs mm. like that creepy preacher did to ariana grande <laughs> he anyway. did do that yeah yeah I, I, that image is stuck in my mind forever my, jealous i'm jealous the image that stuck in my mind is how bill clinton was sitting like 10 feet away and in that moment when ariana grande got up on stage if i were him i'd be like i gotta get the fuck out of here yeah there's no there's nothing good that comes from this photo opportunity yeah, right oh now, yeah right because yeah. you don't want to like you you have to look someone's performing it would be disrespectful yeah. not to yeah but like a hot ingenue in her mid-20s in like a scantily clad dress yeah. and you're the former president who hooked up with the girl in the Oval Office. Yeah. It's a rough photo. And he always looks like, he always looks at things, I don't know, he's always got like his head, his head back and he's sort of slack jawed for uh, a former president. He looks kind of, I don't know, he looks like he's yawning or he's perving on everybody. Whatever, what are we saying? He wants to fuck everyone. So yeah, that's a bad photo op and now you can spin any photo any way you want. So yeah, yeah he should stay away from all women like uh, like uh, Pence talks about with his, uh, with his wife. You know, I won't go to lunch with a woman. That's what Bill Clinton should say about everything. <laughs> I haven't been around a woman alone in, mm, I don't know. Mike Pence's wife's not even allowed to be in, in the room with another man, right? I don't know about that. I know that he won't be alone with a woman ever professionally. And then everyone was teasing him. Like, what's the matter with you? And then like, oh, you're gay. And then like the Me Too thing, Me Too movement started up. This was like pre Me Too. And then, he, and then he's like, what's up now? Who's smart now? Right. I'm never going to get, you know, dinged for anything because I won't even go for lunch with a female cohort. It is. I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I do feel oddly so relieved that I'm like married and completely not in that world right yeah. now. Because it seems treacherous to try to like even oh, sure. date in the Me Too absolutely. world. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I sort of feel like outside of wanting to fuck Brian Callen's wife. <laughs> um, Do you have a name? 
Does she have a name? Yeah. Amanda. Oh, Amanda. Yeah, Amanda Callen. Okay. So <laughs> do you do you name your podcast just the name of the guest? Sure. Okay. Because if you were doing that sort of creative name, like taking a thing out of it and making it the title. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like sort of like when shitty movies do that, you, you would be calling this one. Or you could just say episode whatever, Will Sasso, colon, I want to fuck Amanda Callen. <laughs> Maybe I'll just call it Amanda Sasso. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um uh no you know it's funny like i feel like i kind of instituted a you know don't have sex where you eat or whatever it's called thing kind of <laughs> early so i don't know and i don't know where that comes from i'm from canada and i feel like a lot and i moved here when i was like 20 so i was kind of like terrified of everything mm. and and uh and and there were a lot of times where just sort of <sighs> for lack of a better description, being dumb and polite kind of got me out of trouble because I would just kind of, I wouldn't hold my tongue out of any sort of intelligence or philosophy. I would just be like, so, and then later you sort of go like, oh, well, that's stupid. And this is, uh, you know, it's not a good idea to involve yourself romantically with anyone uh, at work. And now it's like, uh, thank goodness that that sort of, Again, not for any intelligent reason. Mm. It's just been a default. I remember I did this movie when I was like eighteen, um, back in Vancouver, and we're. It was like, it's like one of those um, screwball ski movies. Yeah, I call it like the last movie of the eighties, and it came out in nineteen ninety four, and um, and uh, yeah. So there was this playmate in the movie, and there's this bit where I go and. I'm trying to get her to come crash a bachelor party of the bad guy so that we could take pictures and show the good, you know, whatever the girl. So she'll leave him really involved in cool plot. <laughs> really, really something I'm proud of. And, um, the bit in the movie is she plays a topless painter. So she's always at the top of the mountain, mm. you know, painting something and she's topless. And, uh, I was, ter I was terrified. I'm an 18 year old virgin, fat virgin. What well, you know? He picks up the camera right now. As soon as I go, <laughs> 18 year old fat virgin. He's like, oh, this is going to be a good thing. Here, I'll start over. 18 year old fat virgin. Rolling. Yeah. Slash Amanda Callen. That's what you call this episode. 18 year old fat virgin. Slash. I want to fuck my buddy's wife. Someone what is that's a must hear podcast? Keywords. Yeah, keywords. <laughs> Yeah, get those meta tags in there. <laughs> anyway, so I was just horrified, and then I'm up there, and in between takes, I'm not going to be looking at her. Mm. No, you know. Of course. She's, uh, by the way, she's in Playboy. I can look at her all I want back sure. in my bedroom at night. So, And then later on, we were literally in the <laughs> makeup trailer, and she brought coloring books. And uh, she was she was coloring. She's like, you want a coloring book? Right. All right. So, and she's dressed up in some very uh, lovely outfit, right? And uh, we were alone in the makeup trailer and she commented to me like, Oh, Hey, and this is a douchebag story, but she's like, Oh, thanks for being professional or whatever. And, uh, and I'm still horrified. And I was like, well, this is where we work, you know? Cause another part of that is like, I'm young and I'm like, and you know how it is where you're like, you're young and you're like, this is what you want to do for a living. Sure. And you're like, you're not getting rid of me show business. Like I'm sticking around and trying not to make mistakes. And, uh, anyway, so that's what I think about the Me Too movement. Don't make mistakes. 
It's <laughs> real smart. Yeah, don't fuck up. I, first, the most fascinating thing about that story was that she was using adult coloring books. Were yeah. they just normal coloring Oh, they weren't and, adult. No. <laughs> they were baby coloring yeah, books. Yeah, they were like Care Bears and My Little Pony. And- Which is fascinating because it's like that old saying that like, if you're if you're poor, you're crazy. And if you're rich, you're eccentric. Yeah. It's like, if she wasn't beautiful, you'd be like, the fuck are you doing? But I was still like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but like, yeah, but, yeah. But if you're the beautiful girl who colors, then it's just like, she is so old fashioned. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you make but she your- was, but she was cool. We used to do these, we used to sing these songs, me and a couple of the other guys where we would like diss each other. He's the, and he's a this. And then she got involved with it and like hers weren't as good. She was always like, it's Will, he's fat. <laughs> do 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 fat guy so i'm like that's low hanging you know, yeah fruit. we're not yeah, yeah. Get, come on yeah you know when we yeah. rise above we're trying to be funny we're trying to be funny yeah you know i know you're not here for that reason but oops i don't know maybe you are you could be hilarious i don't know now are you nice? women are really funny <laughs> yeah, i gotta put that out there too are you you got to be careful of every single oh my god oh yeah we really got to be careful i shouldn't be doing any podcasts i can't open my mouth don't worry you're safe yeah you want me to take out i'll take out all this thanks i appreciate it i'll leave so in the just, last eight minutes yeah well i give zero fucks think i care about the listeners i'm gonna podcast? make sure that i every three to five minutes mention fucking brian callen's wife so it'll be hard for you to edit this <laughs> something incendiary she's about. hilarious by the way i don't you know i'm so sorry mrs callen yeah. <laughs> we've never met but yeah i'm allowing this happen yeah. now, you'll meet her me and her and you and your wife should go and hang out i'd love it yeah a little double <laughs> yeah <laughs> now are you nice because you're canadian or are you canadian because you're nice oh no one's ever asked me that before think about it yeah well it depends yeah i went well it depends how I mean, let's look at it from a religious point of view. If you believe that a soul uh, uh, comes to earth to, you know, be part of a family that uh, that that soul would be symbiotic with, then I think it, it, the, your deity of choice in that um, religion would say, "Well, this this is going to be a here's going to this is going to be a polite boy that would have no problems uh, coloring." What? With a Playboy playmate, <laughs> let's make him from Vancouver, British Columbia. You are from Vancouver. Lame. Yeah, I'm from just outside of Vancouver, a little town called Ladner. And what was that like growing up in? Uh, oh, it was great. Beautiful BC. It was a really idyllic neighborhood. Actually, Ladner is like surrounded by. It's on the Fraser River, which is the big uh, river there. So it's all sort of marshland, ocean on one side, and then farms around the other side. So we were sort of insulated. And yeah, I kind of had this sort of Huck Finn upbringing and, you know, going, you you know, you just go build forts and stuff like that and stack them full of, speaking of, you know, nudie mags and stuff. And then you start getting some work as an actor and you go like, I already know you. I've beat off to you in a fort, freezing my balls off, literally trying to get a hard on. In a suburb of Vancouver. In a suburb of Vancouver by myself sitting on an eight liter bucket jerking off to you. Now we're in a movie together. <laughs> Can you believe that? That is unbelievable. Can you believe what this is like? Yeah. So, the immigrant yeah, dream. Yeah. The immigrant dream. <laughs> then you move to LA and you're like, oh my goodness, there's so many women here who I th- are either are or are reasonable facsimiles of women that I beat off to while sitting on an eight liter paint bucket. It's so possible. Nah, I'm just joking. Did you... I- <laughs> <laughs> We did put nudie mags in those, in those forts, but we usually use those buckets to piss in and stuff. 
That's and cool. you got to yeah, you got to keep that piss in the bucket. Guys will be pissed off if they if you dump all the piss out. They're you like, dude, we were, yeah, we're keeping all that piss. <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, we're Canadians. Well, we're stupid. That's why we do shit like that. But do you think it may, like <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian comedian's an interesting thing, right? Yeah, it's specific. Like, oh yeah, I've heard it described once. It's like it. No matter what, trying to break into the into sort of Hollywood as a Canadian, you you feel like an outsider, and that serves you well in comedy. I I think, and 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 I've heard it said a lot from people who are in comedy that are also Canadian uh, or from Canada. That you know, I don't know, I, and I subscribe to this thought that it's like we're so much like the United States in so many ways because we're all hooked up to the same cable, and you know, we're in North America, sort of all, you know, again, sort of culturally and socially very similar. Um, and in some ways, Canadians are very different socially. Um, it, it, but we are, we are looking at it from a completely different aspect because as similar as we are and as, um, as much as Canada needs the United States uh, you know, even, even if you look at it politically, it's like, we have to sort of be an ally of the United States. Sure. You know, I mean, there's, there's, I don't, I'm not sure currently, I think there's about 3,400 Canadians up there. So it's a bunch of land <laughs> and there's like 12 people. So <laughs> sure. we have to, you know, sort of bend to what <laughs> America wants <laughs> or they'll just, raid us and take any one of our provinces, which would provide you guys with enough water to never worry about anything. Another Dakota. We'll yeah, just make another just Dakota out of Yeah, free running buffalo. We could feed the homeless. It's just the land of milk and honey up there. So we're looking down uh, uh, at, at America, geographically speaking, going, this is, oh, they're crazy. You know, like, really? oh, America's nuts. Yeah, I think if you really <laughs> talk... Look, yeah, Canadians are polite, but I'm here as a Canadian ambassador to tell you yeah. a lot of Canadian dicks, a lot of Canadian assholes. Drinking Molson, smoking cigs, and yeah, fucking like bitter. Fucking, yeah, I'm now just smoking weed, walking up and down the street. Right. Fucking, Straight foobar. Yeah, not even hiding in a fort, just beating off on the street. It's disgusting. <laughs> so Canadians are sort of like, they will, they will... Yeah, we we are a separate country, so we're able to sort of look at America and go satirically look at America and yeah. go, well, we're not a part of it, even though we are. Mm. So, uh, and again, just sort of sociopolitically, we sort of are because we all, you know, because we've been allies for so long, we've been neighbors for so long. You know, it's like we live upstairs, and you know, America's living downstairs with you know more people, and they make a lot of noise at night. And we sort of deal with it. You yeah. Know, like you guys are like the attic of the house. Yeah. Where like you can jerk off in the attic. Yeah. But, but it's also nice up there. Yeah. Oh, it's a nice attic to beat off in. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. a level up from a fort. I'd say so. Yeah. You I'll beat off in an attic any day. It's better than jerking off in the broom closet. Yeah. Depending on. Yeah. Because if someone opens a broom closet and you're hunched over like a mongrel beaten off, that's embarrassing. But if someone like comes up the attic and you're just like in this nice you know, this nice sort of attic like you'd see in like Toy Story and it's very warm and stuff. You'd be like, would you please leave? Like you don't even yeah. knock when you come up to the attic. I'm trying to jerk off. <laughs> Guys, 
I want you to look down at your left wrist. I just, what's it doing? Is it, is it bare? Hmm. Weird. Well, maybe this ad is for you because your friends at Movement Watches, they've got exactly what you're missing. Movement has you covered with tons of quality, clean, and all-around good-looking watches and accessories that we can actually afford and order right from our couch. Like, the truth is, guys, we all know, like, a dope watch is a distinguishing item. It, it says, whoa, this guy's got it together. This, this guy probably has a gym membership and eats yogurt in the morning with granola. He's just a respectable human. But the truth is, and I don't know if you're like me, I've always wanted a dope timepiece, but it's like either you go like lower end and then maybe people can tell it's not like the highest quality or you got to like break the bank and contact a loan shark to be able to like afford anything like super classy and nice. But Movement Watches, they've solved that for us, okay? Because they start at just $95. So you're guaranteed to find something you love that won't break your bank, but... But they've got tons of quality, clean, and just all-around good-looking watches, man. These guys are truly a ground-up entrepreneur success story. They understand living on a tight budget because they lived it too. And that's why they wanted to make quality products that are accessible to everyone. Like, I've been wearing their Odyssey collection and... It's just, I just love how it's still like super clean and minimal, but it also has like a unique sort of this like, uh, perhaps you'd call it a like a hexagon shape. I don't know. I, I went to school. Plus, they have tons of sunglasses and offer interchangeable watch straps so you never run out of options for a new look. And they've sold over 2 million watches across more than 160 countries. Is that true? Damn. Yo, Movement Watch CEO, I got to meet you guys. That, that is 2 million. Jeez. Um, look, you're going to get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash curious. That's 15% off, y'all. Just go to movement.com slash curious. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is there a hierarchy amongst Canadians? Like, how do people from BC view, like, French Canadians or people from, like, Newfoundland? Um, yeah, Canadians are definitely very different from each other. Right. Um, so yeah, there's like, we have newfie jokes, which like, cause they're stereotypical Canadian in that sense, right? Like, all, yeah. like super harsh sort of, uh, um, affect to yeah. the way, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So some Canadians have this sort of, uh, yeah, we look down at one another. The West coast doesn't care for the east side and the east side doesn't care for the west coast and the west side everybody hates winnipeg everybody hates winnipeg <laughs> nicest people in the world my god well you better people be fucking Manitoba. nice if that i mean the center of the whatever it's i mean the midwest of canada yeah but everywhere's the midwest in canada like i shot a film in halifax nova scotia nicest people in the world mm. i've been you know like anywhere in saskatchewan anywhere in manitoba nicest people alberta nicest people you're in ottawa ontario capital of the country 
people like, oh yeah, the museum down there to the right, blah, blah, blah. It's near my house. You want to come over? We're having salmon. Um, everyone's so nice everywhere. I would say actually my hometown, Vancouver, because sort of geographically it's the Los Angeles of sure. Canada. It's sort of like there we have, you know, bragging rights. Cause it's like, oh, it, you know, in the summer it gets up to like 73, eh? pretty warm. Fuck you, the rest of the country. Yeah. I'm joking. It's hot everywhere because we're fucked. Turns out that Al Gore was right. <laughs> but do they like, but also because there's so much shit that films in Vancouver. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like every Canadian I know from Vancouver is like, yeah, like I was at the club with Wilmer Valderrama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just because Wil- there's a lot of guys who look like Wilmer Valderrama <laughs> up there. I'm sure he gets a lot of DMs about that. Fair. Uh, no, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's very... I mean, it is a great city. When people go up there to shoot and they haven't been there yet, and they're like, oh, I gotta go. Oh, I'm gonna be trapped in Vancouver for four months. I'm like, no, you're being set free. Yes. And here are all the, oh, by the way, oh, what's a good place to eat? Walk into any sushi joint downtown. It's better than any sushi joint. Even a little tiny hole in the wall is better than any sushi place in LA. Mm. And, um, Weed, a lot of weed. Like just weed everywhere. Great weed. Great, great mind-numbing weed, extremely strong weed. And then you just walk the seawall. There's around Stanley Park, which is the most unique piece of land in city limits anywhere in North America. This beautiful mountainous hilly park that separates Vancouver from the north side, North Vancouver in which you can hike, you can bike around the seawall, this lovely looping thing and the sunset from there. It's, I mean, the whole, it's, it really is one of the most beautiful cities in the world and people are figuring that out. And a lot of people now in our industry are like, oh, what do I got to do to move there? And a lot of people are living up there now and moving up there. And And if you get bored, take a fucking seaplane for an hour and go to Whistler. Yeah. Go to somewhere even more beautiful. Yeah. Go to some, yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, you're getting bored of Vancouver, the city proper? Yeah. Get in a seaplane and go to Narnia. <laughs> yes. Oh, have you been to Narnia? Do you know C.S. Lewis? Yeah. Fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, oh, let your mind run wild when you read a fucking Tolkien novel mm. or go to Narnia. <laughs> you can just go to Narnia. Do you? It's Narnia with socialized medicine. <laughs> oh my God. So all the unicorns are doing fine. Yeah, and we got them up there, and I got to keep it quiet because I go to the Canadian meetings, and we got to, no, it sucks up there. Stay down here. Where do they have the Canadian meetings? I'm the guessing at Chili's. you think I'm going to tell you that, right? At Chili's? We don't a, have Chili's up there, a no. A party room at Applebee's. Yeah, there's the party, the back room at Applebee's. Or a Friday's. Yeah, you a have Magic to know Johnson's the secret. Fridays. Yeah, you go William Shatner, Brian Adams, <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot, and then they bring you back there. Do you... um? You know, it's funny. I remember shooting a movie there when I was like 19. So I was there for six weeks. And being from LA, I was sort of, you know, sowing my wild oats and fucking smoking myself to death yeah. every night. And I remember getting up there and feeling like, man, I'm from fucking LA. I've had the best weed in the world. Like, I think this is just not going to measure up. I don't really remember being there, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that six yeah. weeks. That's how good the weed was. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a real problem. Yeah, I got buddies who are stoned 24-7. Um, it's an incredible... Yeah, the weed there is... I had an edible once a couple of years ago, and I'll tell you what happened. Kids don't listen to this, right? Never. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I thought I was having a heart attack. 
because I, and I ate like half a little, little fudge bar or whatever. Mm. And, uh, it, and I, and I don't remember those two days. Like I was like laying there. All I could do was I realized I hadn't eaten in hours and hours and hours. And I ordered, I ordered like three ramen things from this ramen place. Yeah. Like that way I don't have to get up again. And if I live, this will be enough food to last me the next 24 hours. It was 48 hours that I completely lost. I was crawling around the condo I was in. I was shooting this thing up there. Just literally like, I can't get to the door. Um, yeah, it's fucking insane. And um, yeah, and all the sodium from the ramen, I'm sure, only perpetuated it. Yeah, I laid in the foyer of that place <laughs> for a good eight hours eating ramen off the floor. So when you really go, like when, I, I'd love to share stories. This is one of my favorite subjects. When you're going to really tie one off, right? And be like, I'm going to go old Will style and yeah. like have a cheat day. Yeah. What does that look like? I, well, I like to, yeah, I like to go old, really old school. So I get a coloring book. Sick. And a Playboy with that lady in it. <laughs> in a 18 gallon bucket. If I were to have a cheat day, which I do every two or three days. Sick. Me too. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. No. Uh, well, if I were to do it in Canada. Yeah, wherever. Geographics don't matter. I'd get, you know, yeah, I'd probably get enough poutine to fill an eight liter bucket, finish that off, turn it over, sit on it, beat off. Um, and try to do it, uh, with a, after eating an edible, oh, weed infused gravy on Ooh. poutine. That would be the ultimate cheat day. How much weed infused gravy on poutine can you eat or weed infused cheese curd, uh, or deep frying the fries and in, in like THC oil. Oh my God. That's what's up. I don't know what's going Can on. Can you imagine? Here. Oh my God. Like getting these green fries. So You're many like, what's options. up with this? Just eat half a one to start and then let's talk. Yeah, that's Canadians are, it's amazing. Uh, they're just, we're uh, literally, ever since they legalized it nationwide, people are just walking up and down the street smoking weed. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place. I even like now, I find it weird that we, because we've legalized CBD and it's so American of us. Like I can go to a fucking coffee truck where they're like, want CBD in here for an extra four bucks? Wait, I'm like, CBD is legal in mm, California. Mm. Oh, well, because weed is legal. But I think CBD, because it's a derivative and it's not psychoactive, is right. legal in 50 states, or at least that's what my dealer tells me. And, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was, I went to a coffee truck in Venice, I mean, of all places, and they were like, do you want to sad? Like, but it's still a drug, right? Yeah. Like, the CBD has an effect. Like, if you were like, you want me to throw a little Benadryl in your yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be like, sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. just. <laughs> in a food truck. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. We'd sell a, Enjoy these tacos and don't make any plans because <laughs> right. don't drive after you eat our tacos. Yeah. It's about to get hectic. Yeah. No, that's, I did not know that. Mm. That's crazy. I've never tried, I've never had just straight CBD for like sleeping or pain or anything. It works. Yeah. I'm a sober guy now because yeah. once I gave up the food, I realized that it wasn't really the food. It was my head uh -huh. and that I just like to do in excess everything sure that's my thing too yeah yeah so then when i got thin and i had the same brain i went to drugs and alcohol and i'm like well this is much harder to sustain and sure. and it has much more diminishing returns and so 
So I had to give it all up. But like the CBD is like instead of like taking an Advil and it doesn't give you a head change, I'd much rather take that because I think like Advil might give you an ulcer. Right. Yeah. So you... So you currently, you will not, you don't consume THC in any way? No. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. I, I, you know, I actually even, you know, BC is known for its, you know, it's marijuana. They call it BC bud and whatever. But, uh, yeah, I actually did not, I normally even don't talk about this. This is a real scoop. Mm. What? A Canadian talking about weed? <laughs> Boring. But uh, yeah, I didn't even try marijuana until around five years ago. So, and I'm kind of a square with like, I've never done anything north of that. And then I, I've never like in my twenties, I could get good and drunk with my buddies, but I was never really too interested in booze either. I think that's because um, my parents are Italian. So my old man used to make wine sure. and all that. So it was always, it was very, it was a European upbringing that way. So it was like part of Yeah. It was just dinner. sort of demystified. Yeah. There's a bottle of wine. If you want to pour some in your ginger ale, go for it. And, uh, and we did, it's like, oh, that's, you know, and you never really, like I used to have friends who would say like, Hey, let's, Hey, let's steal a bottle of wine from your dad's wine cellar. I'm like, you can fucking have a bottle of wine. Like, let's go to your place where you have potato chips in gushers it, yeah gushers ring pops fuck yeah and like potato chips in tupperware because you have self-control <laughs> and right. my home was filled with food that only mom could turn into food like <laughs> sure. you'd open the fridge it'd be like a fish and then a bunch of vegetables you know like a chicken completely yeah no tv dinners yeah no. there's nothing so food was sort of the addictive thing, you know, I was always a fat kid. I was always a chubby kid. So that's, that's my crack. And, uh, and yeah, so nowadays if I smoke a little weed, that's the problem. Cause it'll make me want to eat. Yeah. So I'll just have like, it's pathetic. I'll have like every flavor of sugar-free gum and num, 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 you know, until like three in the morning, num, 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 num. And, uh, you know, like unsalted, <laughs> sunflower seeds and shits were so fucking pathetic i'm a big sunflower seeds guy yeah but i'm not unsalted i'm like barbecue flavor cracked yeah. pepper thai barbecue oh yeah man spits have you ever tried spits, spits? it's my brand they're the best they're the best sunflower seeds ever and I like, i'll fuck brian callen's wife brought to you by spits <laughs> yeah <laughs> thai barbecue nothing <laughs> tastes as good as fucking brian callen's wife well Spitting spits all over, <laughs> oh my god, all over the side of his nightstand. I feel really bad about this because, like, you're his friend, but like, I'm a have you stranger. Met, have you met him? I no, I haven't. Oh, he's a, he, he'll love that you're talking like this. You, <laughs> oh my, you guys are already pals. Don't I'm worry so about sorry, it. Brian. I can't wait to meet you. I'll, you're good. I'll give you some sort of gift card to Amazon or something yeah. to make my amends. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about talking about fucking your wife on the podcast, but do you feel like, like, you know, so much of my, and this is me projecting, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts, but in my own experience, like so much of who I am today is, was built out of like coping mechanisms I built from being like a fat kid, yeah. like being funny and all these things. Sure. I remember I met this guy the other day and he was like really fucking handsome and in great shape and like wealthy and nice, like absurdly nice. I'm like, this doesn't add up. I was right. like, something's off here. And then finally, we like went out to lunch and because like we were going to maybe like do this business thing and we're talking. And he's like, yeah, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I, uh, I got in a bike accident and I fell off my bike and I 
I needed brain surgery because I hit my wow. head really hard and had to relearn a lot of stuff. And it was like really, really hard on me. I'm like, that's why you're nice. Yeah. Because like you grew up with that face, but you almost died. Yeah. So like you had to, and he's like, yeah, kids made fun of me because I like, it, it took me some time to sort of catch up in school and what, I'm like, ah, got it. Because yeah. people that don't have that experience, I sometimes wonder if they're capable of being like full humans. Like, uh, sure. Anybody, uh, I mean, adversity is obviously good for you. Um, and, you know, definitely, you know, with all due respect to people who have real adversity, who are, you know, whose, whose childhoods are not good at all and have abuse with all due respect to people like that. Um, because you know, those things are, that's a different subject and people that can't get over horrible things and have actually been victimized. If you've had the sort of mild, well, relatively speaking, milder adversity, like, like, uh, you know, having kids tease you for being kind of chubby, um, uh, then you have to sort of, you have to build some armor, which is good. It sounds like with that guy, that's real hardcore to first of all, be altered in your brain because of a bad accident and then have to relearn things. And then on top of that, have to develop, uh, you know, a personality that can allow you to bob and, and weave when people are being mean to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's what builds, I mean, that's what builds a, no, it's, I mean, it's really important. It's really <laughs> important. A, a good amount, a healthy amount of adversity. It sounds like that guy, I'm sure if he had his choice, he druthers. would not have wanted to go through that. Sure. But. but like, like you talk about that, the, you know, the actress who you were working with, who was like trying to be as funny as the guys in that yeah. moment. Let's and not color an actress, but go on. <laughs> the playmate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, and the, also, by the way, Josh, we don't say actress anymore. <laughs> oh, it's sorry. actor. Yeah, it's all right. The, the, the actor. Play, yeah. The playmatestress. <laughs> the playmatestress. <laughs> but like, sometimes like I've been in moments, right. With like really like attractive people where we'll get into like one of these like battle, you know, like yeah. uh, intellectual battles or like where we're trying to one up each other with jokes. And I almost want to tell them like, there's a good chance you're not as funny as me and that's okay. Yeah. Cause you didn't have my life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if you're, if you haven't developed that muscle because you, you, you literally have no personality because you're just very attractive and, and people have, have sort of wanted to give you advantages because of that. I mean, that, that only becomes a problem once you start getting older and less attractive and you see it. Uh, from men and women when it's like, oh, this is like the guy you're talking about. Yeah. You expect them to not have a whole lot going on because they don't have to. Uh, yeah, that's not enough to get, I don't think that's enough to get by in LA. <laughs> you need as much, yeah, you need as much abusive history as you can, I guess, to get. <laughs> think so. Horrible. Yeah. And no, I, and I did not have that. I just like food. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. I have a wonderful family. And mom sure did some amazing things with that fish <laughs> and those vegetables and that dried pasta. Are they funny people? You come from funny My people? My mom is very funny, very playful. Her whole side of the family is very joyous. They're always singing. She's, you know, they're, they're from Italy and, and, um, some of my aunts and uncles and cousins came over when I was, uh, when I was young or sorry, when, before I was born, um, with my, my old man kind of, he was the one who spoke English and stuff and brought, uh, was sort of the patriarch of the family in Vancouver. 
and my dad's side is very, uh, is not like that is very sort of, you know, dour and sort of quiet and, and, uh, I don't know what's going on with that side of the family. Anyway, but stoic, um, stoic, very stoic, very old, very old world, Mm. which can mean one of two things. I mean, and many other things, but you can be sort of stoic or, you know, really joyous. And like my mom's side, um, you know, singing Italian folk songs and all these jokes. My mom's constantly, constantly joking, constantly laughing. My dad is the best audience. He doesn't really, you know, care for humor. So, um, so she does the talking and yeah, it was, that was sort of at a premium was, you know, my older brother and sister were definitely sardonic and satirical and funny and, and, uh, and, um, yeah. And my friends, you know, it was like a bunch of goofy, goofy people. So. Oh, I like this one. This one. This one I like, Native. And Native, they create a safe, simple, effective product that people use in the bathroom every day. They create products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. Are you not convinced? Oh, you don't believe? Oh, all right, you cute little contrarian. How about this? Why don't you check out 7,000 five-star reviews from their customers, hmm? Why don't, you, why don't you do a little reading? Why don't you read up? Oh, and by the way, all their products are formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. I, yo, guys, I don't even know what talc is, but what's it doing in my products? No thank you. It's filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, which is an antimicrobial, shea butter, a moisturizer, and even tapioca starch, which absorbs wetness, and it's made in the good old USA, with ingredients thoughtfully sourced from around the world. And you know what, guys? Like, especially, I love the deodorant, which I just think, like, I got it, and it was just like, first of all, it had this, like, beautiful kind of, like a like a lavender rose type scent, so it was, like, very relaxed, and it had just, like, this beautiful little undertone of rose. And I, like you, I sometimes think, like, you know what, if it's, like, fresh, natural ingredients, and what have you, I, you know, I'm not sure if it's actually going to do the job. Trust me, it did. I did a ferocious workout. I'm talking burpees. I'm talking lunges, deep lunges. I even, you know what? I threw a little jump roping in there and I smelled fresh, fresh as a rose after. So guess what, guys? I I don't know what to say because there's no risk to try. They offer free returns and exchanges in the USA. They've got so many scents, especially for the deodorants, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, eucalyptus and mint. You can subscribe and save 17%. Save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. And the truth is, it's, look, it's just, it's worth it because aluminum may be linked to some serious health ramifications, including breast cancer and Alzheimer's. And I'm not going to even, you know, keep talking because I think that speaks for itself. No thanks, Alzheimer's. Anyway, for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com. Use promo code curious during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com. Use promo code curious during checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Forgive me, because this is kind of like a jerky question, but I, I mean this in all sincerity. How how fast is your mind working? In the sense of like, you even see it like this, right? Like you're fucking, funny people have to be a step ahead anyway. It's like sort of this interesting chess match. And like, it's visible that 
you're just, you're ahead of the joke. Like you're thinking a joke or two ahead. Like, is that just a natural thing or are you, is there a little bit, do you walk into a room and you start pulling ammo from things? Like you I, start loading up. Yeah. Well, speaking of loading up, yeah. Before I got <laughs> in here, I was in my car eating a bunch of uh, THC loaded brownies. So Sick. in, mm, I'd say T minus 10 minutes from now, this is all going to fall apart. It's going to get but weird. Right now I'm in that zone. Well, it's yeah. already kicked in. Oh, it's already kicked in? <laughs> yeah. How long have we been talking? Five and a half hours. <laughs> oh, shit. You don't have pants I didn't on. tell you the story about Playmate color books, did I? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. You talked about jerking off on a bucket. Oh, you fucked up some Me Too shit. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we can't use this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, look, I I got to LA and then, you know, you start, and when you start working, you start being around funny people that you admire. I think, I think, and, you know, you'd know more than just about anybody because you're young, when you were younger and you're doing comedy yeah. on a nationally televised hit show and you've got adults around you and you've got adults writing for you. Um, you've got to start to sharpen things and you start to realize what is quote unquote hack, I guess, which is to each their own, uh, you know, and someone that, that you would go like, Oh, I, you know, and I don't really even like that word hack because comedy is so subjective and what some people think is funny. Other people won't think is funny. Sure. But I think you sort of, I think a lot of people What's too easy almost. Yeah, or you, you just sort of, uh, I think you sort of bump up against people that sort of shape what your sense of humor is or even the stuff that you watch. And yeah, I think if you, you know, if you keep your brain free of THC oil <laughs> love for long enough, uh, you can, you know, I don't know, like sort of, yeah, I wonder how much of it is nature versus nurture and how much, you know, a lot can be said for people like we were talking about developing a personality when they're younger, finding a way to get through being teased on the, on the schoolyard. And, you know, that was sort of, yeah, that was sort of my thing too. Although I would say that, you know, I was pretty well liked growing up, but I was a chubby kid. So you get, you get, uh you know, some bullies and stuff yeah. and you got to kind of use your wits to get out of it. When you have an older bully, you have to like, you know, outwit them or, and, or in my case, because I was a giant youth, uh, take a 12th grader when you're in the eighth grade and ragged all that motherfucker against a wall or some lockers and then kick them down the stairs because you're in the eighth grade, but you're definitely 210 pounds and are starting to realize I can beat up adults. What was his name? <laughs> <laughs> Call him out. I don't remember the dude's name, but I did do that once. I'll give you a couple specific names of the eighties for men. And you tell me if I'm close, Andrew, oh. Dan, Luke, Luke, Ryan, Ryan is a dick name. Let's call him Ryan. Yeah. No, this, this, I had this one bully, Ryan Callen, Ryan Callen. Yeah. Before he changed his name, cause someone in the union was already Ryan Callen. Like, Fuck it. I'll add a B. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. That's cool. He, uh, yeah. I remember I had this dude who was tormenting me. He was in the, my high school went from eighth to 12th grade. He was in the 12th grade. I was in the eighth grade. And one day I was walking up this staircase and he was walking about to walk down and, uh, he was always teasing me, whatever. Cause I was a fat kid and he, he spat right in my face. Like he spat and horked no. in my face. Yeah. Just as I reached the top of the stairs 
And then he was like walking down the stairs, like whatever, turned his back. I'm like, oh, okay. So I booted him in the back as hard as I could. And he went tumbling down the stairs. Sick. And I, I'm telling you, I definitely outweighed this dude by 50 pounds. So I couldn't kick him like, boom. And he went down. And then I ran down the hall, hoping I just would never see him again. Later that day, I was at my locker and he was like, you know, walking towards me with like the pursed lip, toothy bully face. Like, yeah. And he came up to me. I was like hoping he wouldn't see me. I had my locker up and he like, whatever, he engaged with me like, hey, and brought up me, you know, almost, you know, coming close street, to taking his life earlier that afternoon. Street fighter drop kicking right. him down an inclined right. slope. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, I don't know if the, the punishment <laughs> necessarily equaled the crime there. I mean, I'm sure getting spit, you know, having someone spit in my face was terrible, but I did attempt to end his life right there, <laughs> then and there. There was a 50-50 shot. He would have made it out of that. Oh, yeah. Although if he would have hit his head, he would have made out like your buddy and probably- Been awesome. Yeah, been a cool guy. Your life would have been so different if you killed that kid. Oh, so you different. You wouldn't have gone to jail because it was Canada and you didn't mean to. But and we don't have jails? You wouldn't have made it down here. No, I would not have made no, it down you here. you would have found a vocational school yeah. and been an electrician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until I electrocuted myself because I was eating fucking pot brownies. <laughs> so, uh, so he came up to me and whatever, and it got, you know, turned into this altercation. And I can't even remember if he hit me or if he did, if he got physical. What I did do though, was I started immediately, <laughs> I started getting all choked up because, you know, he was like coming at me. I got very emotional. I started crying and I grabbed <laughs> I grabbed the ultimate defense and I grabbed him just by the scruff of, of his jacket or whatever. And I literally started pounding the goddamn life out of him against these lockers going, leave me alone. But I was bawling my eyes out. No, please don't hurt me. But I was like, boom, boom, boom. And he was like bleeding from the orifices and my guidance counselor Dr. Bourgeois, who's still, he's a Facebook friend now. He comes like running down the hallway, William, no, because I was like, you know, Lenny with the rabbit. Like I didn't know, again, like, yeah. you know, just on the football field, blowing kids up. And <laughs> yeah, here's like a 120 pound senior, like, fuck that. I'm, I'm just, but I didn't know. I was just like crying. Hopped up on poutine and disappointment. Yeah, just, <laughs> right. And just, just smashing the poor kid against the thing. And, um, so he, you know, he drops in a, in a heap and, uh, we both went to the, you're going to the principal's office. Okay. So they took us both to the principal's office. Then Dr. Bourgeois got me out of there and said, you're, you're not in trouble, but don't do that. You know, like try not to kill anybody. Um, uh, so, but people still bully no matter what, which is always funny to me when it's like, and if children are listening, listen, if someone bullies you and you're a and I say this with love because I was one and I still am a big fat kid. Beat the living dog shit out of them. <laughs> Fuck yeah. If someone hits you, if your parents are telling you this, they should be, hit them back twice yes. as hard as somebody, if somebody hits you, I'd like to put this caveat in it. Don't kick anyone down the stairs <laughs> and maybe just punch them in the arm to show them how tough you are, you know, cause you're a big kid. It's always shocking to me when, and now you see it on the internet. You'll see like a larger kid being teased by uh, a smaller kid 
Mm. And then you're like, well, there's only one reason this has 5 million views. Instinct karma. At, at some point in this video, the big kind kid is going to take the smaller bully and dump him on his back and it's going to be ugly and it's going to look like a botched wrestling move. Uh, and yeah, he's going to get choke slammed into the sh shrubs. It's, but it, what you're describing is a form of fucking cosmic justice. Sure. You know, like, well, it's nature. Yeah. You both will. I'm sure that he walked away from that learning a thing or two. I swear. I honestly did never see him again. I don't know. He may have died due to internal injuries <laughs> later. And they just protected me from it. Um, <laughs> you've been silently giving 10% of every check you've made since then to his family. His family yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could have. I mean, I'm telling you, I ragdolled him so hard. There was blood. I'm not joking. I think, anyway, I broke his face against the thing. But I was just blinded by my own teeth. I was crying my eyes out. Mm. Leave me alone. So, yeah, it's... it's uh, yeah, it's it's really yeah, it's interesting. Kids get teased for everything. And now there's no teasing. Bullying is outlawed. Bullying is completely outlawed. Although I will say among adults it's kind of not, you know, it's for yeah. kids. But I think with my generation it's like, no, you grew up with teasing now people, you know, I got called huge just the other day like someone under their breath. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, this guy's huge. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, I can't even tell if that's a compliment or you're being a dick. I'm probably just sensitive to it. Maybe you're just being, but, uh, does that hurt? No. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. I think we can all be reduced to our, our former, our, you, you know, our adolescent psyche, you know, with a, with a little bit of an insult, but who cares? Fuck you. People have real problems and I don't give a shit. I mean, I also, I also have no problems with, with people like teasing me kind of uh, kind heartedly or mm. because if they're, if they're privy to some of the stuff that maybe I do with buddies or, you know, or the stuff that's out there where we tease each other, I think I've spent about 10 minutes of this podcast talking about having sexual intercourse with a close friend's wife. Um, they feel like they can do that too. And I think they can. And I agree with that. So even when someone's like reaching out to you online and they're hitting you with a, you know, an insult because they, they're, they want to be familiar in that way. I like all that. Really? I Absolutely. fucking hate it. Really? I want to be like, you're not a part of the crew <laughs> yeah. and there's a reason why you work for fucking UPS in Tacoma. You fuck. Oh my like, God. Cause you're not a fucking comedian. I've met some really funny, um, Delivery drivers, I'll tell you that right now. I'm sure there are some, but like... Yeah, I yeah. don't mind it at all. I, I like it when... I like that, because it means your shit's getting across. But like, as a funny person, like, does that kill you when people will come up to you trying to be funny? No. Again, again, because I there's stuff that I don't think is funny that is funny to someone else. I But who am I? The arbiter of comedy? I don't yes. give a fuck. Yes. No, I honestly, I it's like, I you know, I, I do think that... You know, comedy's like music. It's completely subjective. Mm. You know, somebody's listening to Nickelback. They have money. They're, they're doing great. They're doing great. So Someone needs, you know who- Or even this, the Super Bowl halftime show. I watched it and I was like, it's not that bad. Like, it's, it's just, just as shitty as any other Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, there've been some really good ones recently. You know, Prince, rest in peace. And, uh, or Bruno Mars and Beyonce, they had a good one. Or So it's like- 
Um, oh yeah, and Coldplay was supposed to. That was like Coldplay's halftime show, but Bruno Mars and Beyonce took it over. Um, yeah, I watched the. I watched the. Uh, I watched it afterwards because I was actually. So I was at the game, and then so I so I watched it live, and I was like, you know, you can't really tell. You know, it's just the acoustics are are bad, and you're in a stadium, yeah. and it's like that's Maroon Five doing their thing, okay. And then you know, and then there was some um, special Travis guys. Scott and other people, right? So big and boy, big boy. So it, you kind of know that you can't really judge it. And then literally in the third quarter, my buddy's girlfriend was like, "Oh man, she's like." Oh, Twitter is lighting Maroon 5 up. So then we're those assholes, or right. at least I was, on Twitter looking at these Maroon 5 jokes. And uh, of course, you couldn't tell, you know, everyone's talking about him taking his shirt off or whatever. But I watched it um, last night. I got home and I watched the halftime show and I was like, it's, and I, I fucking can't stand their music. But I think that, that uh, Girl Like You or whatever, that song, that, speaking of Bruno Mars, like if he did that song, everyone would love it. Sure. And everyone just wants to get on Maroon 5's case because of that guy's shirt and his tattoos. Um, it's hectic. But there's a lot of people that love Maroon 5. Like, whatever. Uh, so when someone's trying to be funny, uh, who am I to, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. Care. It's an interesting I, I, thing. I, I don't mind. Comedy, <laughs> we're taught in Canada that comedy belongs to everyone, not just the Canadians. It's on loan. But like what you to said. everyone else <laughs> from Canada. Because we... <laughs> Invented comedy. You really did. In can yep. We invented comedy. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Sure. And John Candy invented comedy Man. in the 1970s. <laughs> Man, John Candy. Yeah, so good. Fuck. Best. best. The best. Away, luggage, take me away. I said away. Luggage gonna go out and play with my away. Luggage. Yeah. Away Luggage, yo, did I just come up with your new theme song? You're welcome, you can have it. Guys, yo, I I'm a fan of Away Luggage. It's, it's outstanding because Away uses high-quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other brands. By cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you, buy middleman, you ain't getting no money from me, middle person. You don't deserve it. Look, you can choose from a variety of colors and four sizes of carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large for extended stays. All suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, unrivaled in strength and impact resistance. Oh, and by the way, it's just very lightweight on top of it all. The interior features a patent-pending compression system, helpful for overpackers, you know who you are, Four 360-degree spinner wheels guarantee a smooth ride. Oh, and it has TSA-approved combination lock built into the top of the bag to prevent theft. Oh, and were you, were you worried that perhaps your phone might lose some charge while you're traveling in a massive airport? Well, they, they thought of that too. Because both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge all cell phones, tablets, e-readers, and anything else that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge of the Away carry-on will charge your iPhone five times, and it's got a lifetime warranty. Guys, I, I'm a big fan. I'm just, look, I've had like crummy, ratty old suitcases for like a decade, and I was embarrassed, and it was, it was a sad moment. 
I'm walking through, you know, this is LA International Airport, okay? We're not in Toledo, no shade, but you know what I'm saying? This is a major international airport, and my suitcase game wasn't on point, but but you best believe it is now, and I just slipped that beauty right into the overhead, and I, I just, I know, people are like, whoa, who is that, who is that charming young fellow with that beautifully designed suitcase? That's Josh Peck, don't worry about it. So listen, we got a special offer. For $20 off of a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash peck and use promo code peck during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash peck. Use promo code peck. Bye. Did you, so like you talked about how comedy is music in the way that, that you said it's subjective, but in the delivery system of comedy, right? Like there is a rhythm to it, like to the sense of, drama or anything other than comedy i feel like can be like this weird free form jazz where it doesn't need to have an ending but yeah. for better or for worse like a punchline like there's there's a set rhythm to things there needs to be like this weird payoff and it can come in a bunch of different forms and yet like we all need to like feel that payoff did you like when you came out to la and you started working in comedy did you just know that rhythm inherently well i was I was always a comedy nerd as a kid. Mm. So, and then I was fortunate enough to start working uh, as a younger guy um, in my teens and was, you know, was acting and was doing dramatic acting almost most of the time. But I was always trying to find comedy in it because I was acting and I wanted to be an actor, but I also you know, like the aforementioned Dan Aykroyd and John Candy and people like Bill Murray and Could do it Billy all. Crystal and Eugene Levy and all the, the all the Monty Python, you know, the Monty Python guys and all the SCTV and Saturday Night Live guys. And then later on, the kids in the hall. Those were my idols, right? And people like Andy Kaufman or David Letterman. And um, so I, so yeah, I was already a comedy nerd. I already, my... My sort of what I thought was funny was molded by those people. And so you're a young person and you're literally just kind of trying to copy it and kind of trying to, even subconsciously, because I'm sure I wasn't thinking about it then, you're just kind of copying people, but you're trying to belong to their, and I hate this word, but brand. Mm. And um, yeah, I kind of feel like, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what at what point it turned into, well, here's my own style and here's my own voice. I have no idea. But also, I don't think that you ever have to settle on that. And I also kind of being, in a, you know, a lot of what I do, you know, I sort of feel like there's things that I try to get off the ground that may work or may not, uh, whatever that tra my track record is there, which, which I would say isn't very good. And then, uh, the other parts of what I do is, you know, you're an actor, you're acting for hire. And if it's comedy, you're bringing your own spin to it. I don't think that there needs to be, I don't think you need to have a set style. And I also don't think you need to have a punchline. Um, comedy now is, I think the internet has t put comedy into a really different an exciting space because you don't necessarily have to have a punchline. There's things like memes and there's just, but a, a meme is a one line punchline. I mean, uh, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. the most economy it's, of, uh, it's so economical. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, this plus this equals that. And depending on how, and I laugh my ass off at some of those 
just a well-crafted meme, like when you blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Some of them are in a completely, in my opinion, different league that I'm like, that's actually brilliant. When you see like a really well done one, it can just make me laugh all day. Um, but there are other things that are really, you know, weird and, and comedy is really like, you look at like, like Tim and Eric, right? Like they sort of turned comedy on their, on an ear, uh, on its ear with their style when they sort of came in and they sort of gave a name to sort of a weird style that was, I, I won't even say, I, I wouldn't say that it was around before them out of respect to them. Um, but they sort of like, oh, there's all this that you can do. Like here's, we're, you know, we're, we're definitely opening the field. We're opening the door and we're kind of showing you this whole thing. And then there's offshoots of that that starts to get warped and that sorts to get refined. And then there's also, you know, or you look at like, like Tom Green and what he was doing, even in Canada, we were much more conscious of him because he had his show in, in Ottawa and Ontario. And it's on like, like public access, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you would sort of start, you know, it wasn't on regular TV in the, on the West coast, but you'd see bits of it. You'd be like, what? The, like what? Because he was doing it before anyone was Yeah, doing he's that. a trailblazer as far as that goes. And it's like, I think that like the jackass guys kind of owe a debt to him just mm. for like doing that kind of stuff and being real hardcore. And he was doing it kind of by himself. You know what I mean? He was the weirdo. And yet, but I feel like maybe punchline's not the right word because it, you think of like a traditional, like a Rodney Dangerfield pay, right. payoff. And yet like, I think everything you're talking about, there's still like, there, there's a payoff to all of it. Like even I think about your early vines, right? And like with the lemon, like yeah. it's not necessarily like a set, you know, classic joke like we've seen. Right. But it's still there's like this payoff. Well, you know, as you know, with Vine, because you were, you know, and you were doing the shit out of it, and we were both doing the shit out of it. You have seven seconds, so it has to be. It was brilliant. Well, it has way. to be. Cheers. I don't know. It has to be like, it has to be a one, it has to be set up punchline. Like there, yeah. I kind of, I guess there has to be a punchline there or else what's the point. But I think that punchlineless humor has been around for a long time. Like I, I remember I was reading, um, um, born standing up, which is Steve Martin's yeah, of book. Right? And he talks about disliking the punchline and he talks about watching Ed Sullivan and there was a comedian, I forget the name of the fellow who was like a character. And in the sixties, he says like, oh, in the sixties, there was a lot of like character comedians, right? Like sort of like, oh, well, here's like, it's sort of like, for lack of a better description, like a Larry, the cable guy thing where it's like, oh, he's playing this character and here's sort of the terrain he's in. Mm. And it was very clear. So there was this guy who was playing that kind of thing. And he had like this, he's wearing overalls and he's got this big pot belly and a beard and he's like uncle so-and-so. And I forget the name again, I forget the name of the fella. And so Steve Martin says he would tell his joke and go, blah, 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 and smack, like smack his, smack his belly. And that was sort of the telegraph to the audience. Like that was the punchline. Yeah. Time and they go. would all laugh on cue. And as a young kid, he was watching it going, I don't get it. You know, like that's not even funny yeah. to him. And he, because he was, you know, because he was, has been a weirdo his whole life and was you know, fascinated with performing and magic and being funny. He literally magic. He was, you know, he was doing magician stuff. Um, he saw that and it helped to mold his comedy in the, in the opposite direction to where 
he describes in that book, not he, you know, once he was like, you know, and this is, these are my words, not his, it's not like he was saying it in his book, but he's in genius territory, the greatest stand up at, of his time. And he describes doing, you know, big theater shows, big audiences and not hitting any punchlines at all. And instead, um, just sort of being funny in the weirdest way, because he's the wild and crazy guy, quote unquote. And he, and he, you know, sort of getting weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder to where the audience, it starts, it's like a bunch of boiling pots mm. and they're just going to boil over when each one of them boils over. And he's starting this sort of giggle fit and people after a while just can't take it anymore and are like laughing at the weirdest things, you know, and he's like, grandpa bought a rubber and saying the weird, like there were so many weird things that like, if you get that album, a wild and crazy guy, it's like that album is, it, it, it's, it's not, it's not linear in any way. Like, it's like he tells stories and there's weird parts of it. And then they just cut off abruptly or there is a punchline or I find now, like, you know, if you listen to that now, it's like the volume just drowns out, like at mm. the end of a song. And I'm, I've actually never thought of this, but I'm thinking as we, you know, right now I'm thinking, oh, it's probably cause it just went on to another bit, you know, without an ending. Actually, yeah, that's probably why. So they turn the volume down like like they would to on a song. Like you. it just crescendos yeah. out. And it, uh, start, here starts the next thing. So I don't think that comedy needs punchlines. I, I don't think, it, you know, whatever. It's like anybody in comedy will tell you, if you laugh, it's funny. Did you immediately hit your stride when you started on Mad TV? Or did it take a season or two? Oh, sure. It took time. I think you're still... I was there for like five years, five, five years. And yeah, as soon after I left the show, I'm like, oh, damn it. I should have done this. Or I would have liked to have done something about that. You're never, you're never, I don't know that you're ever in a stride. We were always all, well, I won't speak for everybody, but I feel like we were, I think it's fair to say we were nervous. We wanted to do a good show. I think if you're not nervous, you're not coming from a good place and, but, and you can also be not nervous. That's cool. But there's something specific I find about the sketch thing where it's because you're literally, it's, it's very close to sports in the sense of like, you could be out. Like if they write will to play like the father on a sitcom, like it's very hard to get rid of the father, right? Like if you spend like the first two seasons figuring out, you're yeah. like, I'll get it. Like, what are you going to do? Not have the dad. Right. But like on a sketch show, they could be like, you're booted. Like oh, you absolutely. didn't find it. Oh, right? you're auditioning for your job every week. It's Cause terrifying. We had, you had to, you know, we had incredible writers, amazing people that were, who saw their jobs the same way the performers saw their jobs. So they were always one, you know, like a couple bad weeks away from losing their job. Definitely. And it was obviously a rotating door with writers and actors there. And then some, uh, mainstays who, you know, again, we, we, uh, you know, what a luxury to be working with such amazing, funny people oh, man. who definitely molded my, my sensibilities, um, at an early age for me. But so, you, you know, we've got writers that, and then the actors are writing and then the, the actors are collab, the performers are collaborating with the writers and then sometimes the writers are performing and, um, you know, more seldomly, but so there, it was all sorts of different things. Like, you know, some, you know, Brian Hart was a writer producer, um, 
approached me and was like, can you do a Bill Clinton? I was like, oh yeah, okay. And we just sat there in his office and worked it out because we needed someone to do a Bill Clinton because it was, we got to do a Bill Clinton. How you quick know? did you find it? Uh, I, to be honest with you, a lot of impersonations you sort of, some you can do. It's either in you or it isn't. Yeah, I've but heard. also sometimes you can watch someone else do it mm. and that opens it because you're like, like I just, I was a fan of Phil Hartman's Bill Clinton. I thought he did the be the best and funniest Bill Clinton because he had the voice. Yeah. And then, but he had the, you know, whatever the, you know, he, there was something intrinsically happening that made it really funny. Yeah. And, um, so I, you know, at first I was just like, oh, do, boo, boo, doing his, <clears throat> my voice is trash right now. I can't even do it. But, um, I was at the Super Bowl losing my shit over Maroon 5. <laughs> and that fucking Dude, she will out. be loved. Please. She, please. Please. They fucking big boy. Big boy's not going to do. She will be loved. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to start a chant. She will, she'll be loved. Where, so, where's Christina? <laughs> where's Christina? So, um, so yeah, so I, like you could watch someone else do it and that would sort of inform that, oh, okay, here's where, here's literally what your voice box has to do. Yeah. Or I would see somebody like, you know, late, you know, I just, there's other actors you would watch do something and you would go like, oh, okay. It's oh. possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you see when someone cracks like a really obscure impersonation, that to me is, is and then if they, you know, they've got to make it funny, but that to me is so fascinating and just like, whoa, like it's a discovery. So do you, for a good impersonation, do you find that you have to like hook your line onto something? Like I'm watching like Kyle Dunnigan now, right? Who's yeah. so brilliant. Yeah. And it seems like, his Caitlyn Jenner is all born out of like, yeah, baby. Right. Like, yeah. And like, and then he, like, that's his home base. Yes. And then he veers off. Or Absolutely. Like, you know, or like, if you hear like an Obama impression, it's like, oh, folks, like, it's right. always like, that's their home. And then they find their way out. Yeah. I think you, yeah, we used to, and we used to actually, a lot of people sort of talked about that at Mad TV where it was like, can you do one or two of their things? Mm. And once you've got like one thing, then you can build on that. And also you can sort of stray from that because so long as you have that anchor, as you say, you, you can, you can make it wacky and you can take it. If you choose to make it not even like the person at all, so long as you have, cause obviously you have to embellish to make it funny. So if you've just got the yeah, baby part of the Caitlyn Jenner impersonation, then you can say all sorts of wild shit that Caitlyn Jenner would never say. And there, you know, your comedy's coming from that, but yeah, you definitely need to root it in a few, in a couple of hard things. And some impersonations are hilarious because they're doing exactly what the person does and just, and the way that they speak meticulously and changing the script. Right. Like someone like Frank Caliendo, who was on mad TV, uh, is Frank is one of the greatest ever, maybe the best ever at doing impersonations. And he's so, he's got such an integrity to it that there's not one syllable coming out of his mouth that won't sound exactly like the person he's impersonating. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas me, I'm kind of like, eh, I'll do like some of them sound, you know, you'll find yourself doing some impersonations that, oh, this sounds pretty much like the person and others where I'll get, 
just one thing and then I'm just fucking around now. And it's also, it, to me, it'll be, it would be, you know, at Mad TV, it would be funny that it's like, oh, it really doesn't sound like the, it's just like a couple things. Or right. you would see, sometimes you have performers, uh, particularly on sketch shows, because I don't think you can do it stop and start on the internet. Like if Cal Dunnigan has one, he's doing a one minute Instagram video and it doesn't sound like someone, well, what's the point? Right. But on Mad TV, you have a fully formed sketch with other characters and other elements. You can come in and be like, hello, I'm so-and-so. And it's like, no, you're not. And then that's hilarious. Right. Or we would cast men as women and women as men or, or someone who's the wrong size, shape, nationality, height. It, that to me is hilarious. But I feel like too, and, and Howard Stern always talks about this when like someone's really good at impressions. It's like, it is sort of this weird melding of like, you gotta have a bit behind it. Like yeah. the material to support it. Like he has evil Dave Letterman. Oh on my his show, God. Who like, it's insane how much he sounds like Letterman. And yet he's kind of such a simpleton. There's <laughs> nothing that that character and that guy does as Letterman that is it, I mean, it starts off like he starts saying something that Letterman would say. And right. then from there, <laughs> it's nothing that Letterman would say. And that's what's brilliant about it. But but uh, yeah, Stern is like, yeah, he's right about that. It's like, it, it you've got to have the bits behind it. And in that case, the bits are so removed from what Letterman would do. Right. That that's what makes it now so amazing but also you know through most of letterman's history on television i think now we're seeing a different side of him that he's you know that he's gone from nightly network television back then we only got to see an hour of david letterman on david letterman's show or occasionally he'd go on someone else's talk show or um you know then you would sort of start to see other sides of him which were funny but we already do you know it's like we were so patterned to what david Letterman sounded like, the sort of things he would say, the sort of things he would not say. And that's why that stern impersonation that that fellow does is so funny. So good. Yeah. Man, do that's you, funny. Do you remember that I played your son on a sketch on Mad TV? What? No. <laughs> yes. What? Yes. This happened. Dude, I do not remember that. What was the sketch? You were very nice. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's good to hear. What was the sketch? We, you, all I remember was that there was, you were fighting with your neighbors across a fence. That was you? That I'm the fat son. Cause that the joke was that Michael is like, why don't you take you and your fat son and yes. get out of here? And I remember asking the the head writer, Lauren at the time. And Lauren I, Dombrowski. Yeah. And God I said, rest her incredible soul. Yeah. She gave me the part and I was like, does he have to call me fat? <laughs> and she's like, it's kind of the joke. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that was you. That was me. It's coming back to me. I remember that sketch where it was it was me and Stephanie Weir, mm. and then across the fence was was Mike McDonald and Mo Collins. Yes, and we were fighting over this and that. I remember I let my hair grow out a bit so they could shave real hardcore male. I mean, I'm bald, but they shaved like a hardcore male pattern baldness line mm -hmm. into my head. So I grew it out like over the week. And then we shot that on a, you know, before the live show, I remember that sketch, the funniest line to me, uh, just humor me, but the funniest line to me was we were yelling at each other and, uh, Mike McDonald is something like, well, if you don't fucking, you know, if you don't fix that fence, we're going to the mayor. We'll call the mayor. And then Mo Collins goes, we're going to call the mayor today, like super angry. And then Stephanie Weir, who's on, you know, 
we're married and and she goes you don't know the mayor <laughs> and did, weren't they just tell yeah they were so mean to you in that sketch it's <laughs> so mean dude that was you that was me that is amazing can you believe that i gotta go find i'm gonna go watch that sketch it's so full circle yeah oh my god that was a fun sketch holy shit that was yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so I'm yeah. 71 years old. No, stop it. I remember you, like, I remember sitting there back, like, behind the set in, like, the weird, like, catacombs of sound stages. And you were just there. Like, you didn't have to talk to me, but you did. Oh, I did? You talk, And you were, like, lean and mean. Like, I feel like you were, like, just killing the game. And I'm like, who's... Oh, cheers. I was like, cool guy's talking to me. Fuck. Aw. Was, I mean, it was an honor. I couldn't... Now, I just have... I'm a big fan of Bobby Lee. And just, yeah, like... He's the best. Was, oh he, was he as that fucking nuts as he talks about... He absolutely like, like absolutely walking around naked 100 percent. well i my last season was his first season great so he didn't really let loose until maybe a year or two in but i remember him walking around naked a lot uh or they i think i think the my last season was the first year they did it but we the writers and the actors would go to vegas together and just like see a show and hang out and just crack wise. And I heard some crazy stories from the guys who came afterwards, like, you know, Ike Barinholtz and Ron Peterson and stuff. They would tell me shit that was like, oh yeah, Bobby was, I mean, whatever, it's Bobby. Everyone knows everything about him, so I'm not. And again, I just spent all that time talking about fucking <laughs> Brian's wife, so it doesn't matter. But I remember hearing a story about him. Well, anyway, I'm going to say Come on, it. give it well, to he us. Well, he was walking around everyone's you know it's a million o'clock and everyone's back at someone's suite you know still drunk and hanging out and he was walking around going t playing with himself naked going pointing to his face going this isn't me right now this isn't me <laughs> but completely naked and touching his genitals strong yeah well, i mean <sighs> just fearless yeah he got n nude um when we went to vegas yeah and i said uh, that we should, I said something about uh, calling down to room service and seeing if they had any frozen wieners for us to pack up his ass. I was like, that would be funny to watch, see how many, just, just, just shove his ass full of fucking frozen wieners. And I could say that because we didn't do it. It's but, Vegas. Uh, so. That was my thing. I was like, I've got a good idea. Everyone's <laughs> like, now what should we do? But hey, Bobby, take your clothes off. Hey, you really want to up the ante. We'll see if we can get some frozen hot dogs and shove Put them in your bum. That'd be funny. Crazy Italian Canadian. Yeah, that's what we would do up in Canada when we get real bored. <laughs> you put one up your ass so that your balls don't freeze while you're sitting on that bucket and beating off to that you know, it frozen me, Playboy magazine. <laughs> it took me a second to wrap my head around it, but now yeah, I get it. Now you get it. It makes perfect sense. It's also good. It's good for your prostate. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a wild time, was it not? Yeah, and Bobby is Bobby has absolutely no I mean, that's Bobby's defense mechanism. And if you've if you've checked out his comedy, there's He's, a lot of stuff he talks about from his past that is very painful. And it's it's turned him into, you know, over the years, uh, into someone who just doesn't who well, he has a filter. He knows what he wants to let out, but it's most of it. He, he will leads. let out most of it. And he uh, uses shock as a tool. Yeah. So I, someone, something came up about him. But it's also, sorry, it's also very measured. Is even it? though it's, yes, even though it seems like, in my opinion, even though it seems like he's sharing way too much, he is in complete control. 
I'm, I, I mean, I'm a fucking huge fan. I yeah. remember like that someone was talking about to him and his girlfriend about something and he just immediately sort of offered up that she had had, that they got an abortion. Oh yeah. And, I, re- I know this. I know re- what you're talking about. Right. And she was a little upset by that. Well, I, I'm not sure, but I remember he even in the moment was like, well, the, this is what I do. Like I offer it up first. Like yeah. I'll, I'll bring it up first. Like, and it just was, and I, you know, it, it was sort of, it was sh- just shocking in yeah. the best way. It's the best way to just, to describe it. But he's, but Bobby backs up these painful things by being a really lovely and open guy. Yeah. And he has a reputation for being quite loving with people. So I think that's his, he has experienced a lot, a lot of hurt, you know, um, I, you know, I've heard about some of it. Um, of course. So, so, and he, and I'm not saying that even as his friend, it's just true with his comedy. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's interesting that you say like, he'll offer it up first. Cause that's how, you know, that's how a lot of funny people sort of process stuff and get to the funny stuff. And also he's a live performer. He's doing stand up, and he has to crack that audience open. So saying things that are way out there are really good for his comedy because he, He's not just being shocking. He'll blow a hole in the audience by saying something shocking, but then he'll, you know, fill it full of comedy. Neil Brennan, when I interviewed him, talked about how Chappelle had said, like, nothing is as, um, I don't know if shocking's a word, but like, nothing is as surprising as someone being like truly vulnerable, like truly yeah. themselves yeah. in front of people. Yeah. And it's like, it almost supersedes drama or comedy. It becomes like this rarefied air of like, you can't stop looking at it and you're not sure what it is, but it it's because it's fascinating because we're so built at such a young age, whether we're like ragdolling the mean kid who spit in our face when we were in high school, right. what have you, like to not allow ourselves to be human in front of others. And so when they're doing it on a massive stage, yeah. and I feel like that's a little bit of that with Bobby, like that fearlessness to be so himself. Absolutely. And, and, and Chappelle does that. I mean, Chappelle does everything, but you know, and Neil Brennan does that and, you know, in three mics, like really great idea. What a really interesting idea for a special. If you haven't seen that out there, go watch it. Um, yeah, you absolutely have to be, and a guy like Neil Brennan, who is as funny as it gets and seems to be very, you know, measured when a guy like that opens up. Yeah. You're, you would be fascinated by it. Cause it's like, he's, you know, he's, he is extremely expressive. He is extremely honest. And, and, um, I sort of, yeah, I sort of see him as someone who's a, a bridge really in between like, you know, you could see like a lot of sort of traditional, um, comedian in Neil Brennan. Yeah. And not, but, but, and there's this kind of stuff that you're talking about. And this is a guy who did, you know, came up with three mics, you know, and, and has no problems being like, I'm going to guess you follow him on Instagram. Oh yeah. So he makes those videos where it's like, you know, you can tell he's, it's not prepared. It's one take. He says whatever the fuck. And then that's it. And, uh, yeah, that's really vital. 
I think it's honesty. That's not something I would ever do. <laughs> I mean, because reality and so honesty honest. is so much is rewarded in this day and age of like yeah. perfectly quaffed pictures on Instagram yeah. and like projecting a certain life that you don't have on social totally. media. Yeah. And like, and we all like, I feel like that's why, like, I mean, the Kardashians are so massive, but why like vlogs and YouTube are even more popular than ever because yeah. the veneer is sort of fell from the reality TV, the Bravo esque, like these are the things because we know that it's like there's 10 producers behind it and an entire crew yeah. and a lovely craft service table. Right. But like, this, you know, these people on YouTube who are like, I'm going to take a camera and my family and it's just going to be fucking us. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. 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 For sure. I think that, the, yeah, I think that that's, I mean, media has changed so much in the past, like 10, 15 years because of that, because of reality TV. And then were you, I mean, were you aware of that when you were doing Vine? What did you, because like as someone who was so in the traditional system for so long and then all of a sudden you had like hacked it. I know that's why I was attracted to it because it was like, wow, I don't have to be on set for 10 hours and wait a year and a half for this to come out. Yeah. The was, immediacy of it was cool. But I always sort of looked at it as, oh, here's a little sketch show at the end of your arm. So I never really wanted to be real on it, like sure. show who I am at all. I just wanted to do weird stuff that weird little things that I couldn't fit anywhere else or where I didn't have an outlet for it, you know, or, you know, because sketch is not necessarily, you know, set up like middle of the sketch, ending of the sketch. It, it's not, it isn't that anymore, you know, unless it's Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live is the only place that is doing that, but they're, they're, the, you know, they're the grand daddy of that so and they've been at it so long that it's like oh thank goodness someone is still holding it down you know what i mean like right. doing like endeavoring to do sketch comedy you know what i mean and but you watch the the writing change over the years and you watch the uh the performances change and i feel like now like to me sort of it, when you watch Saturday Night live that sketch that's like 10 minutes out from the ending is usually one of the weirder, funnier sketches. Right. Because, you know, it's like Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett doing something completely bizarre that perhaps Lauren Michaels just doesn't get, you know, and everyone else around him is going, no, this is fucking, this is the funniest fucking thing actually. And then he's like, well, put it on towards the end or whatever. Mm, let's try it. Yeah. Where's the popcorn? That, um, those are pretty good. Those are both pretty good Lauren Michaels impersonations, everybody. Okay. He okay, loves, everyone? he loves Never snacks. met the man, but check this out. <laughs> Me I <either>. love snacks. <laughs> I'm going to go have, I'm going to go have uh, lunch with Paul McCartney. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm Canadian and brilliant. I'm Canadian and brilliant. <laughs> when he says that, he sounds like I love Neil Brennan. Lauren. That's him saying I, I'm Canadian and brilliant. Neil <laughs> Brennan and having a full stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever make any money from Vine? Never. Ah, uh, well, not a dime. You? A lot. Really? Yeah, a lot. I a never bunch. figured out how. What did you do? Did you do ads? Yeah. See, I never did any of the ads, but I was never approached. Oh no, that's not true. One time, I was approached by a car company that was like, "Would Will be interested in this?" They hit up my manager, and they were going to give me a little little car. They were going to give me a car, a version of the car they were pushing. Mm. I don't even remember what car company it was. It was some, you know, it was Toyota or Chevy Miata. or whatever. And I said, uh, yeah, but I want to piss on the car. Um, and it doesn't have to be real piss, but you won't know because they'll be, because I had an idea for a little bit, but it would end with the car being pissed on. 
And I said, tell, I told my manager, I was like, cause I didn't have a through line to them. They hit my manager up and I was like, look, I've never done like an ad, like, like, let's do, like, do it, like, do this. You know what I mean? Cause you're an idiot. If you don't let me piss on your car, cause you want people to talk about your product. Let me piss on it. That's funny. And they said, no. So yeah, I never, I never did any paid vines. God, Chrysler is so stupid myopic yeah they're just they're like yep lee iacocca is our you know (laughs) lord and savior and we're never going to stray from that wonderful brand Uh, you are not pissing on the k car buick was like you are not you are not pissing on the la (laughs) saber fuck you with your media you stay away from the lacrosse with your yeah we'd rather take this fucking where This is where I was out in Detroit, Michigan, right into the ground. I'd sooner do that than have some shithead actor piss on an effigy of our. You're gonna, so you're gonna piss on an enclave. You're gonna yeah. piss on a Buick enclave. That, yeah. So I never, I, but I never got approached by anything. Ugh. So I never really did did any of that. All right, Will Sasso. Last question. Yep. It's what I ask everyone who's on the Curious Podcast. What are whose the, wife would you? Fu- oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't even the know whose wife would you fuck podcast? <laughs> That's a good name. That's did good it get podcast. started here? Yeah, I think it did. It's amazing. That's what I'm gonna do. Jeff Bezos's wife. Yeah, Jeff um, Bezos. <laughs> even that score. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, she's got to start nailing somebody be just a, to make it even. Be a forty-five billion dollar house husband. Yeah. Oh my. It's a no no-brainer. problem. No problem. We've all got a price. And you know you're going to get- she's a beautiful woman. You're going to get Amazon Prime by proxy. Just oh, by you don't have to close. pay for your fucking Amazon Prime? No. You watch all the Sopranos you want. So many drones dropping off packages. Oh, man. Um, you have it made. What are the one or two Will Sasso commandments? Truths that you have discovered that you would want to impress upon someone else? It could just be one. Uh, Will Sasso commandments. <laughs> uh... Never eat anything bigger than your own head. When kissing Brian Callen's <laughs> wife. No. Uh, Be gentle. Man, I'm trying to think of a real one. Uh, I guess be kind to everyone until they spit in your face at the top of the <laughs> staircase. Then feel free to end their life by ragdolling them against some hard metal. And I believe that. I'm not even joking. I think... Be really kind to everybody until they give you a reason not to. And then in my... <laughs> Uh, stoic slash joyous Italian Italian family. The move was always to hit them back twice or three times as hard as they hit you. So if you get some hork in your face, that is 100% a cue to go complete rage ape and smash that person <laughs> against a wall. Make, no, I guess be kind to everybody and then, yeah, until you beat the shit out of them. And then make them no, pay don't do with that. their brain cells. Don't, yeah, don't do that. And if you're going to beat the shit out of somebody, maybe just carefully ragdoll them against a wall. If you can physically assert yourself. I don't believe in punching people. So I've never, you know. Yeah, I remember when I was playing football around that same time, my coach was like, don't punch anybody, okay? Okay. There were, because we had big meathead farm boys and, you know, mm. that could really do some damage. Some then they fall from- down and they hit their head on the curb. And then that's really the end of that. Just carefully, lovingly ragdoll people against the wall when they're mean to you. Be kind to everyone. Oh, how about this? Be kind to everybody, not just because you're Canadian. God bless you, Will Sasson. God bless you, Josh Peck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> 
That was it. That was Will Sasso. Man, so funny. I just want to apologize again to Brian Callen and his wife, the entire country of Canada, uh, Poutine and Buckets. Anyway, guys, hope you have a great week. Will, thank you again for doing it, dude. Um, That's it. It's a wrap. Bye.